and give them extra love and attention. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. Welcome to yet another show. It is a pleasure always to have you guys here listening on Facebook Live. I know you guys are tuned in on there and channel 124 on Flow and also on Instagram. You guys, if you guys are tuned in, thank you once again. I hope you're having a great Tuesday. It is June 9th. And my name is Tresha Lionel, and of course, we're going to get right into the issues of the day, or the issues at least that I think is important enough to be on the show. Um, and there are a lot of things happening, especially, and you cannot escape it if you have a television, a radio, anything, then you know exactly what's happening in America with regards to, you know, the black movement. And they... In America, this is not the first time, but this time it's under the slogan of Black Lives Matter. And most recently with what happened with George Floyd and the major protests we're seeing in all 50 of the, um, the states in the U.S. Uh, that now has spilled over into the world. Um, and later on, I'll speak to you about the Black Lives Movement happening here in St. Lucia. But before we do that, I wanted to bring us back to what happened um, in America two years ago, September 2018, with... Botham and um, to this day a lot of people are not happy with the results and what Amber Geiger got. Of course we know that Amber Geiger was a police officer who shot um, our St. Lucian, our friend um, in America when he was just at his house doing that and what I think is that in St. Lucia in particular we as a people, as a nation for some reason we now understand what it is to go through that kind of hurt, that kind of pain, the feelings of injustice, and it's not even our system. And, and I don't think many other um, countries in the region can say that, but St. Lucia has been able to say that. And it's not something that we're proud of, but it's something that we know and experience. We protested, we took to the streets, and we showed that, you know, Botham was a St. Lucian, and we take these things very seriously. So in light of this, I wanted to go back, um, not just because I have a major crush on um, Trevor Noah, but also because of the issues that he brought forth and how Botham Zhe and his brother's reaction to it, um, Brand Zhe, if we remember that he hugged Amber Geiger and there was a lot of backlash for that. Some people praised him, some people didn't understand it, but whatever you can call it, you cannot say that it wasn't brave. And that just he just exemplified all the good things in people, the forgiveness, the love, being able to be empathetic to, you know, your brother's killer. That that is things of state, sainthood to me and to many other people. Um, and I was proud. I am proud to be St. Lucia, to be St. Lucian. And with him doing that and it garnering international support and international attention, that's the kind of thing that we need to exemplify as St. Lucians if we're going out there. And for that, I thank him. I hope the Je family is good considering everything that they've been through. I have spoken with uh, Miss Je just last week and, you know, she's again is a very strong woman. And again, our hearts and prayers as St. Lucia, we're, we're always there with the Je family. But first, let's look back on um, Trevor Noah remembering Botham Je and bringing her into a lot of issues that it came about with the case. But it was what Jean's brother did after the sentencing that brought the court to a standstill. Can I give her a hug, please? 18-year-old Brant Jean forgave Amber Geiger, who'd just been sentenced to 10 years in prison for killing his older brother, Botham. At the end of the hearing, Judge Tammy Kemp gave a Bible to Geiger and embraced her as well. Amber Geiger will be eligible for parole in five years. Some outside the courtroom thought the sentence was too lenient. So that's basically the, the, the story as it stands. And it's interesting because I, like, I sat with this, with this story and I talked to my friends about it. And it's so funny how many 
you know, like how many complicated feelings they are in and around it. First and foremost, a thousand kudos and just like, honestly, I, I, I admire the compassion of the Jean family. At the same time, though, I understood why so many people were angered by that moment. Because this thing has really, you know, blown up online. People saying, like, they were angry that she was getting hugs from the judge. And they were angry that she was getting hugs from the family. And some people, it would, like, a lot of people are fighting about this right now. Because they're like, why were they hugging her? She murdered a man. Why is she getting hugs? And the other side is like, yes, but they're forgiving her. She still goes to jail, but it's about forgiveness. And I just, I sat with it. And I have, I have conflicting feelings. But I, but I, I think I understand... What is happening, you know, in, in so many different ways with, with how people are looking at the story? On the one, one hand, you can't deny that people feel like 10 years, 5, actually, is not a lot of time to be given for taking another human being's life. Especially if you're found guilty of murder. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's people in jail in America for doing far lesser crimes. You know, whether they've been, you know, charged with, like, drug trafficking, where they just had a certain amount of drugs and they were assumed to be drug traffickers, or... You know, people where they said it was violent crimes and it was assault, but they're spending more time in jail. And then this seems like another case of the system preferring a certain type of person who looks a certain type of way, who fits a certain type of narrative. Ten years, five years. I get why people are angry. I get why people also like, this is another case of like white women tears doing their magic. You know? Because like that's, I mean, you know the, the myth. It's like white women tears, just like anything. Like traffic stops, anything. White woman cries and people are like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's, it's true. Like, it, it's a joke, but it's also true at the same time. It's like, white women throughout history have been very good at, like, stepping away from, like, the thing just with their tears, you know? We're, we're, it'll be like, you'll be, everyone looks at the clan, everyone forgets that there's, like, wives of the clan. Do you know what I mean? People are like, those clan, and then, like, the, the wives can sometimes be like, oh, I didn't know my husband. <laughs> it's like, but you, you helped him put the sheet on every night. <laughs> oh, I thought he just liked Halloween, I'm sorry. <laughs> And that's what a lot of people feel like in these instances. They feel like, like those white tears are really felt, whereas the tears of many other people, people of different races, people of you know, other genders, aren't felt as, as much. And, and I think you know, that like, all of it stems from the conversations in and around race in America. You can't, you can't avoid it. People are looking at a story of a white woman who shot a black man in his house who did nothing. He was just in his house. And people were... Angry, and I understand why so many people are angry. Because they're like, she doesn't deserve hugs. She deserves to lose her life the way she took her life. And I'm not speaking for everybody. I know maybe I'm speaking for myself and some of my friends, but I, I feel like the anger actually comes from people feeling like that is the level of empathy everybody should receive in a court. You know? Everybody should have a judge look at them like a human being. Everybody in society should be treated with a level of compassion. They should still be punished if they've committed a crime, but we should still look at them as human beings. And yet, this narrative doesn't seem to be afforded to black people in America, especially by the news. Because if you look at all the news stories about this, they do paint it like they go, it's a beautiful moment where she's hugged by everyone. And so, but it's like they don't use that same editorial when a young black child is going to jail. You know, they don't go, this young black man who was recruited into a gang and, and had no other choices, look at this put. They just go like he was sentenced and he was found guilty, and that's the story. As if that is what's expected. You know what I mean? It's almost, it almost feels like if you're a black person who commits a crime and goes to jail, well, that, that's, a, well, that's what black people do. But if you're a white person who commits a crime and goes to jail, it's like, oh, man, what a disaster story. They tell you about the human being behind the act. This story showed you the exact opposite example. This young black man was doing his own thing. He got shot. They told you that he had a history with weed. The news told you that. Why? They always tell you that this man was shot in a traffic stop. Now, he did have an, uh, an assault case 10 years. What does that have to do with this traffic stop? You know what I mean? What, what, what is the cop traveling through time to punishing him? What is that? <laughs> and I think that's, that's what people need to understand, is that like, some of the narratives that we tell and share about what's happening in the world are so much more powerful than we actually think they are. You think it's just on the surface, but what a lot of people are seeing here is, is a reinforcing of an idea. But I think the mistake we shouldn't make as people is that we shouldn't necessarily jump to we want people like Amber Geiger to spend more time in jail and the most time in jail. I think what we should be asking is for the same level of compassion and saying, hey, I don't want anyone to spend excessive amounts of time in jail and so the same way a white shooter is disarmed peacefully, the same way 
A white murderer can get a hug in a courtroom and sympathy the same way a young shooter is spoken about as a human being because he is white. You would hope that same level of compassion and empathy would be applied to black people. That's all it is. Now, we see there what happened with Branja and what he said, which, you know, it's still resonating with a lot of people, and his, just his compassion and empathy. And it is really a reflection of the very best of St. Lucia, even in the worst of times. And I wanted to contrast that with the worst of St. Lucia in the worst of times. Um, a St. Lucian, very popular social media um, personality, I guess. And I've, I cancelled Diana Charles Long already. I, have, I, I don't look at her videos. Um, I think, you know, she's callous. But with this one, she's mentioning what happened with George Floyd and mentioning, you know, black people. And these things are out there. They're in uh, social media. They're on the internet. So, you know, they can never disappear. And to be honest, it's truly the worst of St. Lucia. And I have, you know, there are KKK members. There are racists. Who will not say the things that Diana just said. And in this time when everybody is looking for justice and you have thousands, millions around the world um, standing in solidarity with George Floyd, this is what Diana Charles says. promise you that will be the last time that Diana will be on this show, that I will feature her face on this show, but what I really wanted was for us to see that, you know, there are people like that who are St. Lucian, and I think truly giving us a bad name because, you know, everything she says is she, she's St. Lucian and she in Canada and everything else like that, but it's important that we know these things and we see these things and we make sure to cancel these people and not give them a base. Yes, I just give one right now, but trust me, it's the end. But what I really wanted was for us to understand and for everyone to see that this is what's happening. And you have on one extreme the pure goodness and the forgiveness and the love and everything else. And then you have this spiteful, angry, ignorant um, spewing of vitriol it seems so um in that essence what i'm asking yes i'm asking for cancel culture this is a new um thing that millennials have adopted that you know you cancel people you unfollow them you don't listen to what they're saying and i think we have to start with this one and i think we have to start with diana charles um but on to the next topic really is again black lives matter um it's taken you know different forms around the world people are protesting lying down in the streets they're, they're standing um and i think st lucia now is trying to do the same in showing their solidarity and if you can put up um that picture of what they want to do very soon it says there will be something on friday the 12th of june 2020 it's a call to action um to help st lucia stand in solidarity with the world and fighting for social justice and an end to racism especially discrimination against people of african descent that will start at 9 a.m at constitution park in castries it goes on to say millions around the world spoke out condemning the killing of st lucian born uh Botamja in his dallas apartment today as the world citizens raise their voices and lower their needs for George Floyd. We too here in Sinusha need to stand in solidarity and with reciprocity with this worldwide movement for justice. Can we go to the next one? Um, 
So they're saying, let's demand justice for the lives of many who have been lost to extrajudicial killings, an end to police abuse of power, an end to racial discrimination, and education system that grounds every solution in a strong self-identity, including the teaching of history and the protection of our patrimony and shared heritage. It says, let's rally together. They're asking that everyone wear something black, wear your mask, walk with water, be prepared to sing and chant and kneel and chair and speak out, mobilize your family, your friends, your neighbors, your group. So once again, that will be at Constitution Park on Friday at 9. Um, and I think it's a good initiative. I think it, I think it is. I think it's... Um, Something that's good to show solidarity, but I also don't want us to forget that we too have had instances of police brutality and abuse of power. And even then, uh, us not even having this independent authority to investigate police when extrajudicial killings are happening, that's also an issue. So, you know, it's good that we're looking out to America and trying to stand in solidarity, but let's not forget here, let's not forget the instances of police brutality and abuse of power and people who have lost their lives, have been killed by police and there has been nothing said about it. Um, for one thing, I do know that in view for two, people are still wondering where is Coco? He disappeared last year and the last place he was seen was at um, the police station in, in Chozelle and his family and relatives are still there. I also remember one mother still asking for anything from police um, to, her, to her son's um, murder to a son's killing. Um, they were, he was killed by police officers and I now have a report. Um, we, we've edited before but I think just in the way of a mother's grieving and her anger and frustration at what's happening on the island and we all need to ask for more clarity and transparency and justice. The mother of a 17-year-old who was fatally shot by police one year ago says she has grown frustrated. In an impassioned voice note sent out on Wednesday, Joanna Joseph has once again called on police to provide her grieving family with answers into the circumstances surrounding her son's death. Joseph's voice note came in response to the following comments from Assistant Commissioner of Police Wayne Shallery after I briefly sought an update from the senior law enforcement officer on Tuesday. Has there been any update into the investigation of the police shooting of Arnold Joseph in 2019? Um, we're not ready to give an update as yet, but I can tell you the investigative team is um, working very hard to bring that investigation to a conclusion. The officers that were involved, are they still on active duty? Yes, they are. I am very upset and annoyed and disgusted at this clip that I just saw and I just heard. It's a shame. It's very shameful that my 17-year-old son got shot by the hands of police it's been one year and five days and you telling me that is all the commissioner or acting commissioner of police could come up with that is all you have to say my child is dead my child is dead it's been one year and five days my child is in the ground and you telling me that is all you could come up with the grieving mother says her family can no longer bear the weight of all the unanswered questions. Y'all cannot say, okay, we have six officers we are investigating at this moment. Okay, they are, they are suspended. They are this. Nothing, 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 nothing whatsoever. I am very, 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 very pissed off. Unless this thing do not hit your doorstep, do not affect a member of your family, y'all will never take action the way y'all need to take action. However, Joanna Joseph remains determined not to be silenced in her cries for justice. I am seeking justice for the death of my child. I am seeking answers for the death of my child. I am asking the police. I am asking the commissioner. I am asking commissioner of police. I need to let you all know that I have a voice. I have a voice and I am a murder. I am Arnold Joseph murder. And you guys have to know that I deserve my respect because y'all kill my child. Y'all kill my child and my child right now is six feet in the dirt. On Thursday, a local online publication reported that Minister for Justice Herman Gill Francis noted that a firearm linked to Arnold Joseph's case had been tested. 
The publication did not specify what type of test was conducted and I was unable to reach the minister directly to seek further clarification. Police had initially claimed that officers had recovered a 9mm firearm from the individuals who were pursued by officers on the night of the fatal shooting. However, weeks later, Assistant Commissioner of Police Wayne Shallery appeared to contradict this information, stating that the weapon was discovered somewhere along the route where officers had chased the vehicle in which Arnold Joseph was a passenger. Upon further questions from the media, at the time, Shallery noted that this would include several streets in Castries. The vehicle contained at least two other individuals besides Joseph, and at the time of the shooting, police had not yet conclusively linked the recovered firearm to any specific individual. For Choice News Now, Amani Mathra reporting. So once again, the plea is that the police officers, police department, come forth with some information to help these, you know, these grieving family members who are left now in the wake of losing their loved ones in such a way. So the information is needed. Transparency is needed. Justice is needed. Um, so if you do want to be part in standing in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, once again, it's on Friday at 9 at Constitution Park. And in other news, though, there was... Um, what we're hearing is there was a tragic um, alleged suicide in Viewfort in Westall Group in the Hmong. We do have a few pictures of you know, people trying to show what happened there um, in the community. That happened around 8. Some people could have heard a gunshot. And what we're hearing, um, unconfirmed reports are that one young man shot himself in the head. It, you know, it's a very tragic instance there and his name is Zenadine Williams he's 23 years old from the Hmong in Viewfort um, we're still going to look to see what what exactly really happened but I do know and I have spoken to his mother um, who has confirmed that her son is now dead and for that I you know I share my sympathies with you and the rest of us in the Viewfort community there So for now, we haven't heard anything from police. What I do know is that they've cordoned off the area um, where it happened, and a lot is a lot is going on. I know there are dozens of people outside trying to understand what what is going on. The police are there guarding everything happening. Um, I didn't know him very well, but I do know that his family members, of course, are distraught, and his friends. Um, and once again, we're just waiting to hear what exactly is happening. And of course, in subsequent you know, shows will be discussing suicide and, you know, psychological issues and how these things can affect a lot of young people, especially now um, when we're in really dire economic straits. A lot of people are, you know, really suffering. Um, and these are the things that we have to discuss. And we'll have more um, when we come back on uprisings and protests and showing and speaking, um, speaking out. I know that, again, I have to say it because Miss Mary Isaac really took me by surprise when she said the thing about George Odlum and, you know, it died with us and nothing can happen again because we're not the people for that. Um, and some people are going to prove her wrong, it looks like. We'll have that and more in just a moment. We are the Helen of the West. Please, work. And play with a special rhythm. But we are experiencing a public health crisis never seen before. And it has left many of us isolated. Anxious and afraid. And even though we are missing our families, our teammates, and our friends, keeping our distance ensures our safety. Wise protecting our loved ones. And by extension, our solution. Let us embrace the silver lining for what it is. A moment to reflect and chart a brighter tomorrow. We are 758, 759, and everything in between. And it is because of our resilience we shall persevere. We are all St. Lucia. We never give up. Let's do this together, apart. Tip of the day number one. It is normal to feel sad, stressed, confused, scared or angry during a crisis. Talking to people you trust can help. Contact your friends and family. 
need help and support, please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, UACS Commission and UNICEF. If you haven't checked out Ram J's Auto Parts yet, what are you waiting for? We stock a wide assortment of older and newer model popular car and SUV parts. Suzuki, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Honda, Nissan, Mini Cooper, and lots more. That's not all. Ram J's also stocks truck and heavy equipment parts. And if that won't help you, we also do heavy equipment rental to keep your downtime at a minimal. Ram J's Auto Parts is located Massad Industrial Zone, Grocery. Contact us 450-0495 or 716-1400 or email ramj35 at hotmail.com. staying with us on Facebook Live, on Channel 124, and of course on Instagram. And as promised, we're going to be talking a lot about what happened over the weekend. Um, you know, <laughs> the Prime Minister is making rounds. We're feeling the election fever. We're feeling that, you know, it's going to be the silly season. And a lot of things are happening just in that weekend, and it doesn't seem like it's going to wane anytime soon. Um, but we remember this clip. Let's just, you know, go back and remember. So, you know, there was a lot of funfare there. And uh, <laughs> what we didn't see was one video that I somehow missed of a lady trying to speak with the Prime Minister in Patwa. And clearly it seems that he doesn't know how to respond back. Maybe he doesn't understand what the lady is saying. But, you know, take a look for yourself. <laughs> So, Madam Alaka tried to be from a ministry, 
you know, Prime Minister it looks like the Prime Minister doesn't understand anything. So again, it calls for maybe we need a Prime Minister or maybe the Prime Minister should learn how to speak our, you know, our language. Um, it, it says a lot about how you connect with people and I know that my grandmother, she doesn't really speak English. I have to, um, you know, speak Pato and I learned a lot of Pato from her. But it was very strange because, you know, you grow up she doesn't want you to speak Pato to her because she thinks it's disrespectful. So you have to speak in English and she has to try to learn, you know, try to communicate like that. And I don't know if anybody has gone through that before. But it helped me to, you know, speak Pato properly. And I know that the Prime Minister is limited to words like Mamai Flubo or Salusi or Govma. Um, I know that you know he's limited to these words. But again, it's calling now, maybe we should trying to urge the Prime Minister to understand us and to understand the people that he wants to govern because I know and I assume, I'm sure, this lady speaks only, mostly in Patwa and having somebody who wants to represent you who cannot understand you, isn't that a fundamental flaw somehow in trying to represent people? Um, and these are some of the issues that we'll have to discuss even in the middle of election time and who we put in and who we think will understand our people and connect with our people more. And Maybe it was, you know, preempting that, but the, um, I know that the Labry MP mentioned that just last week. Not one of mendicants, not one of people who want to sit by and to say, la gouvernement, la gouvernement, Mr. Minister. See, some people like that. Last time I was talking about gouvernement, gouvernement. And the Prime Minister must learn our language. Because language is a very important part of our culture. Not, it's not gouvernement. That people depend on government. We don't depend on government. We built our credit union. And in this dark hour in our national life, the credit union pumped in the vicinity of $1.3 million in patronage refund to give the constituency a boost. We engage in meals. The credit union took the initiative because we built it. The key to our economic salvation, provide meals to assist the efforts of government. To assist the efforts of government, no constituency should just believe that everything is government. And I can speak on behalf of my constituents that we are not leeches. The leeches are those who come to a poor country and want the country to spend over $3 million doing batem shuval for them. Spend millions of dollars diverting roads. A leech will come here. Like those who go in our NIC funds and take millions of dollars for some cabot link project. A gouvernement, like gouvernement. And there have been calls right now, especially for people not to rely on government too much. But I think it's a bit unfair, especially with what's happening um, right now globally, that you know people cannot depend somehow on government. And yes, the government have made they have made promises to a lot of people, maybe on the $500 economic relief packages with NIC as well. And some people, of course, were disappointed with the NIC contributions, the NIC, um, what they were being given, some people receiving as, you know, as little as $16. Um, but there was one man that I thought, um, what he had to say was interesting because he went to customs based on what the Prime Minister said in some assistance that would have been given and concessions. And let's take a listen at what he had to say. Not June 2nd, don't say June 2nd. Because as of June 2nd, if somebody came on June 2nd, they should be able to get groceries for free. For free. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the information you put out to the public. That is, the, that is the information you put out to the public. And then people will come and get mad with the staff over here thinking like this. But you cannot, the staff will can only do what they, 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 the, the law allows them to do. If they don't have the proper people working in place, they cannot just give you the stuff. Even if the Prime Minister... Babish. And they don't even know when they get it. It could be next week, it could be a week after. They don't even know when they're getting it. Hey, solutions. If you're planning to come to Kalisak to pick up your groceries free, don't do it. Don't do it. Because the information the Prime Minister gave out is misleading. It's very misleading. He's put the cat in front of the horse one more time. So I'm here at Customs trying to pick up groceries. And guess what? Even if the Prime Minister said that started on June 2nd, 
in reality today is June 5th and customs and doesn't have the proper authority as of yet to give the free concession on groceries. The Prime Minister has announced it. Yes, he has, as of June 2nd. But as of today, the 5th, they don't have the proper documentation that gives them the authority to give you your groceries for free. They are still waiting for the documentation and the proper paperwork for that allows them to give you your groceries for free. So as I come here today, I still have to pay taxes on my groceries. As of, and today is June 5th. The Prime Minister announced that as of June 2nd, until whatever time next year, that we had free concession, that it has started. He boasted about it in his press release, I think yesterday, or sometime during this week. As of June 2nd, you should be able to come and get your groceries that was sent to you by a friend or family, or if you bought it yourself, you should be able to get it for free. I'm currently waiting to pay for my groceries. Not because the company here, West Indies Shipping Tree and Trading, or Customs and Examination is trying to rob me, you know. It's because the Prime Minister put the cat in front of the horse. He told the public that these concessions were already in place as of June 2nd. But he has not provided the people at Customs the proper documentation and the go-ahead in writing or however they're supposed to get it that allows them to release your groceries for you for free. So all the people rushing here as like me on June 5th on a Friday thinking you can get your groceries without paying it's a joke and a lie as of today it's not working because they still haven't received the proper documentation from the Prime Minister or whichever department is responsible for the government department to get the proper paperwork they need to perform their job effectively. So all the solutions are going to come in here and want to quarrel with the employees at customs or the employees at West Indies shipping. It is not their fault. It is not their fault. Despite the fact that our Prime Minister announced that as of June 2nd, you can get your groceries for free, that is not the case. I'm standing right here. If you all think I lie, I'm standing right here. Any one of you all that don't want to be seen on my live, hide your faces as I am showing the department where I'm standing. If you all don't want to be seen on the live, please go in your office and hide. I'm showing the department where I'm standing. I'm giving you all proper warning. As of today, customs does not have the proper authorization in writing to release your groceries for free. As of today, June 5th, 2020, you still have to pay for it because despite the fact that the Prime Minister announced it, he haven't provided them the proper paperwork today, June 5th, 2020, for you to be able to get your groceries for free. I'm not joking, I'm dead serious. This is a serious thing. If you all think I'm joking, this is where I'm at right now, in color. Setlisi ka registre vers min corona et i ka fè mouvman et kan chay vitesse tan chak kanef ka kouye pou vilijans publik la fè wolou pale an plas publik kon bolan me baz, tiboutik, chonje, distans sosyal, sis pie Rodiona lot, i ka twa vaitan, si ou santi kou pa kodyal, quarantine kou, patwe a kontak epi lot, an ka ou te twa pe espoze. Se an ekwye, free one one ou ben nepot klinik yopwe ou. Le peya dimi akle, savle di, le supermarket, famasi, epi etiem, yo aksesam avan setet swe. Peya kle an ple, sa vle di tout bagay feme a 24. Se vi protokol kom soti pa biwo indikasyon sante. Nou tout ansam sa sove ve min korona. Si nou tout se vi jidla a tout le. Se gya 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 swing this one. Se tou chapi a soldier together we can beat this corona. Tip of the day number five. Draw on skills you have used in the past 
that have helped you to manage previous adversities and use those skills to help you manage your emotions during the challenging time of this outbreak. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, UACS Commission and UNICEF. And thank you for spending your morning with me on Facebook, on Flow Channel 124, and of course, you know, on Instagram. Um, very soon, we'll put, we'll open the lines um, at 5727588. But before we do that, um, I just thought it very important, and I, I was surprised, um, inspired, and encouraged as well by Dr. King. And yesterday, we spoke about his social media post and him calling for, you know, a change in our system. Um, but he spoke way more to Janica Simon. She has her show on Choice every day from 12. Hi, Janica. Um, and during that interview, it, I, think, I thought it was very interesting what the former chief medical officer had to say. He was also a former independent senator, and he's talking about having to rail against and guard against oppression um, by administrations, having to change our system. And he also admitted to not doing as well a job as he should have as independent senator. Um, he's saying that he's going to speak now, he's going to speak up. Um, and of course, I think, <laughs> I think, I thought it was different. I thought it was inspiring. And I also, I also thought it was, you know, in defiance and daring to what um, Miss Mary Isaac said. And Many people could say anything they want, but when you have somebody who has been in these positions, who have had to work with a lot of administrations and different politicians, um, you know, it's, it's different. And I think it's brave, and I think a lot of people should, especially people in the, you know, health sector. I know they have the Hippocratic Oath, I, I hope I'm saying that right, that, you know, the first, the first thing that they have to do is to deal with people's lives and health. But, you know, to also speak up, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as well. So he's leading the charge on that front, and I just wanted you to hear, just as I did, um, what he had to say. In fact, the very first Senate meeting was the constitutional reform bill, which I objected to because it's a, it's a poor piece of legislation. And that, that bill passed. And in fact, the leader of government business told me we can, we can stay here till midnight if you want, but this bill is passing in this sitting. And I, I looked at the president. I said, but Mr. President, what are we doing here? What's the point talking? He says, well, the word's going to Hansard. So that was then. And there were other examples, and I quote in the paper. However, if you look in more recent times, it's getting even worse. Look at, look at, the, look at the, the breaking of the agreement with the trust, the breaking of a promise and the word of a government to a, a bona fide um, citizens group, which is not even statutory, uh, that, that matter. That is unacceptable. If you look at the recent um, pieces of legislation that the government was trying to pass, um, all in one sitting, again, that is unacceptable. This is, this is government that is ruling with, a, with, I would say, excessive force. We need democracy where people, where people can debate. We need, we need to have general citizens able to look at policies, debate on policies themselves, influence policies, and for that matter, influence legislation. Because governments don't rule 
or, or in the party interest. They rule in the people's interest. And, and, well, you know, yes, they are supposed to, Janika, and we must insist. Now, you know, gov- invariably, the parties and, and various agents of government um, will bully us and, and tell us, you know, essentially we become fearful of speaking. There's no, there's no real freedom of speech because you're worried that they might hurt us, they might hurt our families, they might hurt our businesses. And that is true, they can. They can. But that is not democratic. That is not good governance. And I think the time has come, as St. Lucians, that we put our foot down. The extension of the state of emergency that, that, that people have objected to. Why can't we object? And why can't we be heard? And why can't we be given, um, shall we say, a, a good listening air? And let us have a debate on the issues so that the right thing can be done by the, by the people of this country. You know, I, I, I just... And in the end of the paper, I point out that our ancestors, people... I'm a mixed-race St. Lucian. But I can tell you, I have ancestors on both sides, white and black. And our ancestors that were in chattel slavery fought, suffered and fought to, to, to overturn that, that oppressive system. And then we came to colonialism, which was really our new Jim Crow. And, and, and the British subjugated us with a system that called a Westminster system that, that, that they eventually gave us in our constitution. They continued the subjugation, even though their faces and colors of their skins may have changed. The, the concept remained what I call internal neo-colonialism. You know, so I stand with, with the spirits of Sir John Compton and Sir George Charles and those that have gone before, because we cannot tolerate that kind of, 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 of system in our country. We need democracy. And in this COVID time, COVID has caused us to think deeply on our systems and how they, how they can hurt us. Some people even call it the pandemic. But you know, we in St. Lucia, I'm urging St. Lucians. I'm not even talking about um, being of a, of a particular political, political color. It does not matter. It is the one flag that we are under. We are one people. We need to know and assure that we have a democratic country, that we have control of our destiny. Like Sir John Compton said so beautifully when he was arguing for independence, we need the ability to take charge and control our destiny. No, but you cannot control our destiny by a political elite who tells us what is good and right for us and then does it with regardless of what we think. Because that is not controlling, that is not controlling the destiny in a collective way. It is, a, it is a political elite controlling destiny for us. That's the colonial system all over again, coming in a different form. I, I cannot abide by that. I'll be a traitor to the, to the ancestors. I'll be a traitor to Sir John Compton and, and Sir George Charles if, if I agreed with that. And I've been very quiet on these matters, Janika, very quiet. But that's what I wanted to ask you, Dr. King, because, I mean, the, the call for constitutional reform is not new. As you said, you were in the Senate uh, back in 2015 when it came um, to, the, to, to Parliament. Uh, the report from the Constitutional Reform Commission was, was published in 2011. Yes. So, you know, this is, this is nine years ago. We're going on a decade now since this was, this was published. So we have had the, um, the, the, the warning signs, I guess you would say. People have actually raised this alarm uh, for years. Uh, so why, uh, why? I'm just trying to find out now because you're very passionate this, this afternoon. You're very fired up. What is it really that is, that, is, that, is, that, is, uh, that is resonating in you that you feel so, um, I, I can feel the urgency coming out of, of what you're saying. So is it, is it anything that has happened, you know, now? Is what is happening now that you think that um, all of these words and all of these concepts from a decade ago have to be brought to the fore now? What, what is the immediacy about this message from you today? Thank you. And I'll go back to that, to that time. Eldon Matre was a man that I had great respect for, and he was one of the pillars of the Constitutional Reform Commission. And we used to have many conversations. And I remember when I presented on the report as it came to Parliament as a senator, 
I gave this beautiful flowery, what I thought was inspirational speech. And I looked back at, you know, our progress. And I, because, you know, I really thought that the House of Assembly and the representatives would truly represent the people and would actually vote for a, a, a reformed system where we could, be, we could have more democracy. But it was defeated 17-0 by the House of, of, of Assembly, by the representatives. And I was shocked. I went back and I sat down with Mr. Matre and he told me that I did not perform well in the Senate. And that really hit me because he's right. Because I did not have the passion and the aggression or that, that was necessary. Because it is a principle of democracy that we are standing for and we must, we must defend that with blood if we have to defend it. That's the thing. It is, because people did that before. And he was telling me, you, you failed, Dr. King. So that, that, that got me. And then, you know, the, the years went by, and, but it sat with me, Janika. The year, and I kept on, it kept on, for want of a word, festering inside my soul. And I, maybe, maybe I went up in the hills for a bit and I meditated and I said, what's the best way forward, um, mm-hmm. um, Stephen? What should you be doing? And I came up with this, in fact, let me say what happens now is what is transpiring with COVID and with our government right now, I think was a straw that broke my camel's back and said, time to speak. Well, the lines are open at 572-7588. We could discuss anything you want or anything that I have mentioned in the previous segments. Um, And the clip we just played, it's a bit lengthy, yes, but I think it was powerful, um, not just for what was said, but also who is saying it as well, um, coming out like that. And also admitting that he was wrong. Very few leaders have ever done that and saying that he wants to do better and he's doing better now. And calling, um, you know, calling for action from many of our people here. Um, you know, you've heard it's a call for action for everybody to stand up and say what they think and call for justice. Um, and he also mentioned a lot of things that have happened in just as we've had this show and it's only been a little over a month. Um, and then you heard about the National Trust. The, the word of the National Trust with the National Trust having no, you know, it doesn't seem like it has any weight at all because there was that agreement and the Prime Minister didn't um, stay true to that agreement and went ahead and knocked down the royal jail, um, you know. And then there are the long, marathon-long sittings in Parliament where they were trying to get bills through. And he's saying, too, that's not very democratic. State of emergency, he, too, spoke about that, not um, in such powerful and impassioned ways, but two weeks before, uh, Dr. King said, and he was asking for the government to really listen to him, and instead of opening the borders, to consult and to deal with um, other health professionals because he doesn't think that it's a good idea, that there might be a second wave coming of COVID. That, too, hasn't, you know, that, that hasn't reached, it doesn't seem that it's reached the ears of the Prime Minister. And he went through and went ahead with it anyway. So the state of emergency is there. So a lot of people are complaining about a lack of consultation, not to mention a lack of transparency as well. Uh, And he also spoke about a race, which I never really thought or gave credence to, that um, he too is of mixed race. We seem to have a call. Good morning, caller. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. You? Been watching all these, um, I mean, protests happening, obviously, um, statues coming down and everything else. I'm not sure if people are aware also that in our very midst, we have, I think, at George V, um, a statue that represents colonialization, slavery, and everything else that is being torn down around the world. Mm. It had me thinking, though, um, that um, in our history, when we were going between the French and the British, our people were used in various, you know, nefarious ways against each other. Um, and it's quite telling that, you know, in this you know, time of divisive politics, whether you're red or yellow, again, the people are remaining to be collateral, collateral damage. Mm-hmm. We bear the brunt of their decisions, and we're used in nefarious ways, and we pay the price for it year after year. So we did it in our past, and we continue to do it now. So I think we need a, a rethinking, a reimagining, a reforming of this political system, and a way to live in St. Lucia in a better way. So I think that statue needs to be the start of our Prime Minister getting some consciousness and removing it. 
Thank you very much for calling. Thank you very much for that contribution, caller. Um, and but what it does mean is that race is quickly and maybe slowly becoming something that we have to discuss. And I never really took into consideration Dr. King's um, heritage, um, but him saying that he's mixed and calling it um, political colonial system. Um, I think, again, these are very strong words coming from Dr. King there. Um, and it's the first time that, of course, he's always been very impassioned with the rise up and other um, ventures that he's taken part in, but never never like this. And a call, again, to action from a lot of other people, from you watching, from the general public, and saying that enough is enough, um, and wanting more equality instead of being you know, ruled with an iron fist. I feel like I'm in Game of Thrones sometimes, the way, you know, it seems that kings can just make decisions and you, the villagers, just have to deal with it. Um, but the next question, though, there's another popular person who has spoken out, and they're asking, what are you doing on Sunday? Enough is enough. Right now, a license to make black pudding. Right now, a license to repair jewelry. Right now, a license to make coals. Right now, a license to have a garage. And all of those things are things that affect the poor people of this country. This is what hurts me. He don't pass legislation for the rich. He do nothing to attack them. He keeps attacking the poor, the poor, the poor. It has to stop. One day, it must stop. And we have to take the fight to Alan Chastney because this is nonsense. And honestly, folks, it gets me emotional. It gets me emotional. You cannot waste our money. Waste our money. You take our money, acquire a hotel here, acquire this, acquire that. And then when you finish, you want to put licenses in place for each and every... Come on, man. Folks, folks, folks. You know, the time is against us. Once Shastney opens his mouth, the first thing he's saying is elections are soon. And he's prime minister, so he has the date in his pocket. He has the date in his pocket. Cut, you might need a license to repair your phones. We might need licenses for hairdressers. We might need licenses to fry chicken by the road. No, 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 no. The only way we can get all of those pieces of legislation burnt in the bush is to remove this white man from the realms of governance of this black country of ours. Call me racist if you want, but it is not me that calls St. Lucian's beggars. It is not me that calls St. Lucian's backing dogs. It is not me that calls St. Lucian's whatever jackasses. It is not me that reminded them that we are, we are descendants of slave masters. So Shastney, even an apartment, even an apartment the poor people build, you want them to register or else you find them a hundred thousand dollars or four years jail. Shastney, may God be with you. May God be with you, Shastney. But we are doing, we are doing an anti-Shastney round the island. Anti-Shastney round the island. So we see there just in this segment two very well-known uh, personalities um, calling out, calling you, asking you to join and speak up and show yourself and speak your truth in both in different ways, but each saying the same thing, that it takes courage to do that. Something that, you know, Mary Isaac doesn't think that you have or that I have. Um, so it's more like a dare. Now that we've come to the very end of the show, I know that with everything happening and the financial problems a lot of people are facing, a lot of people owing people money, a lot of people owing courts, a lot of people owing some things. Um, and as we wait for June 15th, or I think um, a little later than that, when um, the Director of Implementation, Ms. Nancy, said that they were going to be giving $500 to the unemployed and people who need it. Um, people, a lot of people are waiting for that, and I'm hearing that it's in the third week of June. Um, but before that happens, people are, you know, they're collecting a lot of debts, and I imagine that, you know, the following clip is what that conversation would sound like. Gregory, yeah, my G. What you saying, my G? Yeah, my money for me, man. How I imagine, G, I just died today. They shoot me five times. I died, doggy. Say what? 
The number you dialed has been changed. And that was the end of our show. Thank you so much for watching on Facebook Live and also on Channel 124 and on Instagram. You know, it is always a pleasure spending my time with you, listening, um, sharing your, our experiences together. Um, and of course, we'll have more tomorrow. But for now, I hope you have a great afternoon. <laughs>